You know, we're talking about revival and believing for it, pressing into God so that He can more easily let it flow through us, that everything He desires will be accomplished. But there are some things that we need to be prepared for in advance. And we're going to cover one aspect of that tonight. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So this is the Apostle Paul, and he's talking about how that God had given him so much concerning, well, kingdom teaching. And Satan knew that this was a dangerous thing. So, it says here that Paul was given a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet him. In other words, to stop him. Well, we're not going to do this tonight, but if you back up in chapter 11, toward the end of chapter 11, you can read all these things that Paul went through. You know, shipwrecks and being beaten, thrown in prison. I mean, all this stuff that happened to him. Well, it was obvious that he was being buffeted. And there are people who teach that this thorn in the flesh came from God. Well, that is just, that's just so bad. I mean, and what's really embarrassing is the fact that many, many years ago, I believed that. I'm talking like way, way back. I believed that, which is so stupid because all I had to do was read the verse. I mean, it says, the thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan. And You know, that's a perfect example of you sit in the church, you listen to something, you hear it, and it's like, oh, okay, well, God gave Paul a thorn in the flesh. It's like, well, wait a second, it's right here in front of you. Why don't you read this? So, this right here, this verse 7, is kind of like a foreshadow of what happens when you begin to press into God and God begins moving. You see, God is always looking for somebody that He can show Himself strong on their behalf. Now, that's an Old Testament prophecy. So, when we press deeper into God and keep pressing into Him, keep pressing into Him, then you need to understand there will be some kind of revival that breaks out. Not just the way it is. We press in, we mature, we grow in the Lord. And God begins moving through us. So you have revival. But when that happens, it attracts attention. And this that happened with Paul, you know, exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. One of the things that happens is as we grow and mature in God, we begin to understand the revelations that were given to Paul. And they're recorded in the books that he wrote. They're recorded. You can read through and think, okay, well, I understand that. But you don't. You can't just read it and then say, whoop, there you go, I got it. Even if you have one of those memories that you can recall everything, word for word. No, you see, Scripture is really interesting because what you see on the page, that's just the surface. You know, you can go underneath (laughs) and just keep getting more and more. And praise God for that. 
But it's going to attract attention. Now, what kind of attention did it attract? It attracted Satan's attention because, guys, look, you need to understand something. Contrary to what a lot of people teach, Satan cannot read your mind. He can't. And there are people out there, Christians, that believe it. No, he cannot read your mind. He's not God. And this means that somehow, some way, Satan became aware of what was going on in Paul's life. Whether he personally checked up on Paul or other demons came and said, hey, you need to know this guy Paul, something's happening here. Well, Satan sent a messenger. You know, we're going to send him a message. Going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Well, Paul refused it. And this messenger of Satan was sent to buffet him, to stop him. Now, turn over to Exodus. We'll come back here to uh, 2 Corinthians 12 later on. But turn to Exodus chapter 7. The point I wanted to make is this. There was a devil that attacked Paul. A demon. And, you know, the apostle Paul, he, um, well, he had to deal with that. And we'll read about that a little bit later. But here in, well, I'll tell you what. Um, just go back, just go to Exodus 22. Let's do that. Exodus 22. And here in Exodus 22, look at verse, um, oh, let's just go to verse 19. That'll work out. In verse 19, it says, Whosoever lieth with a beast surely shall be put to death. Now, you're not going to do something like that unless you really messed up or a devil is all on you. Do you understand that? And today we've got all kinds of weird stuff going on. <laughs> there was an article. Well, this, I forget what country this happened. I don't know if it's France or what. But some lady went through the, the, it wasn't a genuine, legally recognized situation, but she went through the process of like marrying her dog. Now, you know what? There are some weird, weird people out there who have some really weird ideas about things. And you don't come up with stuff like that on your own. That's going to be influenced somehow, some way. But now look over in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18. And in Deuteronomy chapter 18, in verse 10, God says, There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord, 
And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. Now you look here in verse 10. And you see all kinds of um, people mentioned. And what they're doing, you know, you pass your son or daughter passing through the fire. Okay, that is a reference to sacrificing children unto like Molech or, you know, some god back then, pagan god. But then he talks about using divination, an observer of times, which today we, uh, we talk about that relative to astrology, an observer of times. An enchanter or a witch, a charmer, a consulter with familiar spirits. You know, that's somebody who believes they can, well, between the enchanter of familiar spirits, um, the wizard, the necromancer, that all of those have something to do with somebody who believes they can come in contact with the spirits of dead people. And today we talk about a seance. Well, guys, you can't do that. I mean, see, once you die, you're not hanging around. Now, now listen to me. Please listen to me. There are people out there who believe that when folks die, their spirits are still around here on earth. Alright? Now, you might think I'm making this up, but there are Christians who appear to be embracing that belief. You had better guard your heart. You had better guard yourself because I'm, I'm giving you a warning. The people that teach that stuff, they make it sound so right. And I'm, when you die, you either go to heaven or you go to hell. You are not giving it, given a chance to go back and haunt the people you never liked. It doesn't work. You go to one or the other. But these people, they hear that he's talking about, part of what they do is, um, you know, they'll let you know, well, we can talk to, you know, grandma. I'll contact grandma, see what she has to say. Well, you're, you're getting in touch with familiar spirits. A familiar spirit, what does that mean? It is a spirit that is familiar. Familiar with what? Familiar with you. There was a, um, a preacher that came here into town. I won't give his name. But he had a following. And I had reservations about this guy. And other people had said, oh, you know, you got to watch that guy. And other people seemed to be, oh, he's here in town. Well, anyway, somebody went to one of the services and came back and said, you're not going to believe what happened. He was ministering to people. And he looked at this one person and uh, called him out. And so he had a word from the Lord. He said, the Lord shows me that in your home you've got a safe. And in that safe you've got such and such. And that you're supposed to go home and get that and bring it and give it to me. Well, the person had the safe. And had the whatever it was, you know, there in the safe. And some people think, wow, that was a word from God. Nope. No, I wasn't God. That's a demon. Look, just because somebody... Even preachers who are filled with the Holy Ghost can be influenced by demons. Now, some of you may think, are you serious? Yeah. That's why you can't take as gospel everything that comes out of preacher's mouth. You've got to search the Scriptures and be sure you know what you're hearing. Well, another thing that has to do with all of this, he's talking about here, um, like in verse 10, the thing about the witch... 
and uh, the enchanter and so forth. I was going to go through and break down all these words. It's like, you know what? That's going to take way too much time. But part of what this word means is to whisper as a magical, like the word witch or the um, witch. And this word witch is also uh, uh, the Hebrew word is kasaf. It's translated as uh, sorcerers in other places like Daniel chapter 2, Malachi chapter 3. In Second Chronicles uh, 33, it's translated as witchcraft. But it talks about, uh, this word kasaf, it talks about you know, to whisper as a magical spell, use songs of magic, to mutter magical words or incantation, to enchant, to practice magic, to be a sorcerer, to use witchcraft, and the word is always restricted to people who are worshiping an idol of some sorts. And the worship of that idol, not just a person, but also the thing they're doing. But it, it's, um, it's a word that's used concerning people who cast spells on folks. All right. And you know what I'm talking about. And there are all kinds of movies about this. And, um, you know, I don't mean to be insulting, but God help the parents that let their kids watch that garbage. I mean, seriously, you, you think you're going to stand before God and get a pat on the back? Thank you for training up your child in the way they should go. Are you the mom and dad? Yeah. Put your foot down. I mean, put your foot down and say, no, kid, you're not watching this stuff. You're not watching it. You're just not. And then when they fuss and cry and you decide, well, you know, I'd rather let them watch it and have some peace in the house. No, you don't understand. By letting them watch it, you are not having peace in the house. You are opening that house to influence. Seriously, think about this. Um, this whole thing about, you know, putting curses on people. And today, folks do. In fact, um, it goes on. There are Christians. I've heard the stories of Christians who go to a person who's supposed to be a witch and ask, pay that person to put a curse on someone. So this is, it, it, it's a practice that goes on. It happens. And uh, you, you see it throughout Scripture, these different terms, sorcerer, witchcraft, enchanter, wizard, so on and so forth. Throughout the Old Testament, you see references to these things and the people that, that practice them and what have you. And the nation of Israel, they got pulled into this stuff over and over again, began to embrace some of these things and get involved in some of those uh, behaviors and, and what all. But now, let's turn over to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Now, here in Acts chapter 16, Paul and um, Silas, they were... Well, it wasn't just Paul and Silas. There's a bunch of them traveling with him. But Paul and Silas are the like primary characters in this. It came to pass as we went to prayer, verse 16, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Now, here's what's interesting in this, this passage. This word divination 
It comes from the Greek word puthon. And the word, the Greek word puthon is where we get our English word python. Now, the word, that name, that, the python, it was a Greek name given to the mythological serpent or dragon which lived at Pytho beneath Mount Paranus, Paran, Mount Parnassus, something like that, and guarded the Delphic Oracle. Okay, this, you know, we're talking weird movies now, okay? But I mean, this is what they believed back then. And uh, then the name became the surname of Apollo, the god of divination in Greek mythology. I didn't know that he was referred to as the god of divination in Greek mythology. And um, it eventually became a term that applied to all oracle um, and divinatory spirits. Now, what's interesting is that today you hear people talking about, a lot of these folks like in the prophetic circles, the spirit of Python has impacted this person, this church, whatever, and so forth. They've got to guard against the spirit of Python. You know, people want to, and I don't remember the exact way all these folks have put it, but, you know, they're going to place the curse of the spirit of Python on you or something like that. Um, but this girl had, you know, she was uh, a spirit of divination and brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Well, this word soothsaying, it's a Greek word I'm not going to try and pronounce, but it means a soothsayer, a diviner. Um, it comes from another Greek word that means to be mad, to be beside oneself, to divine, to utter spells. And these people, these soothsayers, oftentimes raged, foamed at the mouth and screamed, made uh, strange and weird noises, sometimes gnashing with their teeth, shaking, trembling with many strange motions. Kind of sounds like that guy. Remember that? The Gadarenes? Remember that? It's kind of like that. Well, it doesn't mean that's what these people did all the time. But part of this was the spells, the speaking or uttering spells. Now, we can't deny what's here in this passage. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for our spiritual growth. So, this is in here and it's identifying that this girl, and it says possessed. You know, I taught about um, can Christians be, you know, well, it doesn't matter, Christians are lost. The term possession is very misleading because it implies ownership. Well, even lost people who are impacted by demons, they're not owned by the demons. Now, a devil can be alive on the inside of a person, yeah, but not a possessor. But anyway, we kind of understand the why, I mean, this word, the terminology, and how it's used. Well, going along now in this, um, there was a demon operating in this girl's life. And... It would have operated sometimes like a familiar spirit. You know, God says you've got a, a safe at home with such and such in it. And all. Okay, operated as a familiar spirit. And they people would have given her money. Well, actually, to her bosses. But they would have paid, you know, tell me my future and do this and do that and so on. So when she was going around saying these men are the servants of the Most High God which show unto us the way of salvation. She wasn't lying. But see, this was a slick move on the part of the demon because what she was saying was true. And if 
Paul didn't do something about this, then as he and those with him would stand up and teach about the way to God, then it would seem to validate what this girl was doing. So Paul put an end to it. And he, he says he cast that devil out. Well, then they ended up in jail because of it. and just Everything it was a mess. But nevertheless, this is in here. So we cannot deny what we see in Scripture. However, knowing that both in the Old and the New Testaments, we see references to these things of casting spells. I want you to think for a moment with me. And I want you to think only of what you have read in the Old and New Testaments. Okay? I do not think about sermons you've heard, books you've read, people you've met, testimonies you've heard. Think only of the Old and the New Testament. That's it. No more. And think to yourself the answers to this. What verses detail one person putting a curse on another? Can you think of any? (laughs) For those of you watching this, people are looking at me, (laughs) they don't know what to say. (laughs) It's like, I don't know. Now, Now seriously, think about this. What verses detail a person putting a curse on another? You say, well, Pastor Jim, you just said that you know, these people, you know, the casting of the spells, and you, I mean, you gave us word definitions. No. Well, you're right. I gave you word definitions. That's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you, what verses can you think of right now which detail one person putting a curse on another person? Can you think of any? All right, next question. Again, only the Bible now. In what verses did God warn us about a curse being put on us? Old or New Testament. What verses did God warn us about a curse being put on us? Can you think of any? Alright, next one. In what verses, Old or New Testament, did God warn us about the signs someone has put a curse on us? Can you think of any? Because see, there are now, there are people out there that are going to teach you if this is going on and that's going on and this is happening and that's happening in your life, well, those are the signs that somebody's put a curse on you. Okay, fine. That's not what I'm asking. What I'm asking is in what verses, where in the Bible have you read that God has warned us concerning here are the signs that someone has put a curse on you? Can you think of any? Here's another one. In what verses did God explain how to break a curse someone has put on us? In what verses? Can you think of any? (laughs) You know, you guys aren't saying a word and I'm glad you're not. And even though you're wearing masks, I can still see. You're sitting there saying, I don't remember one verse anywhere. (laughs) In what verses did God explain how to break a curse someone has put on us? All right, next question. In what verses did God tell us 
if a curse has been put on us, we need to go to a deliverance minister to have the curse broken so we could be set free. What verses do you remember seeing, Old or New Testament, where God said, if a curse has been put on you, then you need to go to a deliverance minister to have the curse broken so you can be free. Where have you read that in Scripture? Now, all of the knowledge that you have concerning curses, being cursed, and breaking curses, where did that knowledge come from? Because you see, there are a lot of Christians that want to say, oh, listen, you know, and they'll start telling you about how you can be cursed and who can curse you and what these curses will be like. And they'll start using these, these terms like the spirit of Python, you know, and the, the spirit of Bozo or whatever they say. They'll, they'll start telling you all this stuff. And I'm guessing every single person in here has heard this or read about it at least once in your life. And they'll talk to you about, you know, how to break the curses and, okay, I understand. All that stuff is out there. That's not my question. My question is, all this information that you have about curses being cursed and breaking the curses, where did it come from? Did it come from Scripture? Or did it come from another source? Preachers. Magazines. Books. Did it come from another source? And if it came from another source, then did you study the Scriptures to see if they bear out what you heard? And if you say, well, I do have a verse, you know, here's the verse, and, and here's another verse that, that um, has given me this information, alright? But did you leave those verses in context? Now, I can tell you as I stand here, there's some people who would be hearing this message and getting really upset with me. And saying things like, you do not know what you're talking about. You're acting like this stuff isn't real. Now, wait a second. I didn't say it wasn't real. Did I not point out in both the Old and the New Testament verses where words are used describing people who put curses on other people? But here's what I did not show you in Scripture. I did not show you one verse in Scripture where those people put curses on other people and those curses worked. I just showed you verses where people are... The terms are used to describe people who do that. I didn't show you anything that says where anybody did it. Now, I'm not talking about where in the Bible it talks, you know, one person gets really mad and, you know, cursed be your mother and your grandma and everybody else. No, I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. You know, I'm talking about the, you know, bubble, boil, toil and trouble, whatever. (laughs) Curses. You know, may your eyeballs fall out, your earlobes get long, or something like that. Curses. I'm asking you, anybody, show me. Show me in Scripture where it says, and, you know, somebody with, you know, a a 12-syllable name, Cursed somebody with an eight-syllable name, an eight-syllable name person, you know, fell over dead or whatever. Now, see, you're going to have people hear this who might hear it. You don't understand. You know, I know so-and-so, and and that person used to be a witch, and they talked about all the curses they put on people. Guys, 
I know those stories are out there. I'm not, I'm not saying that those people don't exist who tell those stories. I'm asking you, what do you have in Scripture that supports this? Now, here's what I'm getting at. The further you go into God, like the Apostle Paul, in fact, turn back over there to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The further we go into God, the further that, uh, the more that we conform to the image of Christ, revival begins to break out. You need to understand there are people out there who don't like it. And there are people, we, we've heard um, this last presidential election about, you know, witches getting together and, and speaking curses over the election and curses over Donald Trump and, and, and whoever else was running for president and curses over the body of Christ and curses over all these things. Those stories were out there. And I'm not saying those people did not go through the motions doing what they felt like they needed to do as far as the curses are concerned. Well, you need to understand when revival breaks out and God is moving, there are going to be people out there who are going to try to do the put the curse on. I mean, this is this has happened throughout history. They're going to, you know, we curse this move of God. We curse this church, you know, and you'll get these people around and they're in the they're witches' covens and they'll do whatever the stuff they do and you know get animal blood and whatever and do all the whatever. We put a curse on this. We put a curse on that. Well, those things happen. People do that kind of stuff. But now look here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, we're not going to keep reading in this, but Paul identifies the fact that a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet him. So it was a demon. All right. But nowhere in the Bible, nowhere does the Apostle Paul say, witches put a curse on me. And here came the messenger of Satan. Nowhere. It doesn't say that anywhere. And then, look at this. Okay, think of it like this. All these people out there that say they're witches and they're going to put a curse on this and curse on that person and all this other. Alright. Let's just just play what if for a moment, okay? Let's say that you have, you know... Hazel, and she's, she says she's a witch. She's witch Hazel. <laughs> and <laughs> she says, I'm going to put a curse on you. And then Satan stands up and he says, I'm going to put a curse on you. Now, which of the two do you think might carry a little bit more weight when it comes to curses? Well, obviously, our immediate response would be, well, Satan. Okay, now, thinking of it like that, a messenger of Satan. So, relative to this message tonight, we could say, Satan put a curse on Paul. Now, I'm not saying that's what happened. 
But this messenger had an assignment, stop that guy, because he's messing up everything we're doing. Stop him. So nobody spoke a curse over Paul that we know of in Scripture. Nobody. Am I saying it didn't happen? Well, it might have happened. You, I mean, everything he was doing, you know, he made a lot of demons mad. <laughs> but nothing in Scripture indicates that any one person spoke a curse or cast a spell on Paul. But there was a messenger of Satan. But it didn't involve people. It didn't involve sorcerers, wizards, enchanters. It didn't involve witches. Nothing like that. Now, in Luke, you don't have to turn to this, but in Luke chapter 9, and in Luke chapter 10, well, in fact, yeah, let's look. Go to Luke chapter 9. <laughs> Luke chapter 9. See, when people get involved with stuff, they shouldn't. Call it the occult, call it whatever you want. Okay, yeah, there can be demonic involvement. Just like, you know, the person involved with an animal, alright? I mean, you've gotta be, you have to have some kind of brain damage, or there's gotta be some kind of devil involved, cause that's just weird. Well, here in Luke chapter 9, verse 1, then he, Jesus, called his twelve disciples together, and gave them power and authority over all devils, and to cure diseases. All right, what does that tell us? Well, it tells us that they were going to encounter devils, and Jesus knew it. But he gave them power over all devils. Now, since he gave them that power over all devils, doesn't it stand to reason that they would have exercised that power against any devils they encountered? Well, obviously, yes. But then if you look over in chapter 10 of Luke, it says, after, verse 1, after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Verse 17, and the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now, you need, think about what he's written, or what he said right here. He's saying, okay, great, you got power over all devils. Over all, as he put it in here, over all the power of the enemy. He said, you know what? Instead of getting all excited about that, get excited because your names are written in heaven. It's almost like that authority and power over all the power of the enemy is not that big of a deal. In other words, it's almost like, okay, let me kind of paraphrase it. Okay, guys, yeah, that's great. You cast out devils. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. But look, before you focus on that too much, there's something that's even greater. 
a, a, a something far more important, and that is, you need to, to be rejoicing when your name has been written in heaven. That's when you need to be rejoicing. So, being born again is greater than having authority over all the power of the enemy, and yet we have authority over all the power of the enemy. Look in Mark. Mark chapter 16. And in Mark chapter 16, look what Jesus said. This is after His uh, resurrection. He said, He that believeth on Me, and at, verse 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In My name shall they cast out devils. And then He goes on and talks about speaking new tongues and healing and all this. In my name, they'll cast out devils. In my name, they'll cast out devils. Okay. So then, why would any Christian be worried about a curse? Why? And yet, you've got Christians out there. I know there are some out there who, if they hear this message, I don't know if they'll respond or not, but they will be in absolute disagreement with me. You need to be aware of these things. You don't understand the power of the dark side. Okay, this is not a Star Wars movie, alright? Yeah. Well, you don't understand demons. You don't understand. You don't understand. Wait a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. I don't need to understand all of that. What I need to understand is who I am in Christ. I need to understand my authority in Christ. My power in, uh, in Christ. The power of the name of Jesus. That's what I need to understand. And it's a lack of that understanding which gets Christians all caught up in the other. When somebody stands up and they're teaching more about here's how you can be cursed. Here's how the curses will be put on you. Here's how to identify a curse. Here are the people you need to go to if you feel like you've been cursed. If that's the focus more than, let me tell you something. Jesus is the name above all names. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. And you have the authority here. If I keep teaching that, keep teaching that, I can close it out and say something. Oh, and by the way, if anybody tries to put a curse on you, you just remember who you are. You just remember your authority. But see, you've got Christians today, they are scared of this stuff. That plays right into Satan's hand. Look in, um, turn to Proverbs 26. You know, here's a really good example. When Jesus was in the wilderness, who showed up? <laughs> well, it wasn't a messenger. It was Satan himself. Jesus didn't seem to be too concerned, now did he? Uh-uh. In fact, Satan came at him and said, well, if you be the Son of God, do this. And, he, and he, basically, Jesus said, I'm the Son of God because God said so. Remember what happened right before Jesus went into the wilderness? He gets baptized, comes out of the water, voice from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Okay, I don't have to prove myself to Satan, any demon, or to anybody else. If God says I'm His child, I'm His child. 
And God has said, I'm his child. <laughs> because if I'm born again, I'm his child. And the Holy Spirit bears witness with that, that we are the children of God. And yet you have a lot of Christians, they feel like they have to try and prove something. No, you don't have to prove anything. You are who you are. That's what God said you are. In Proverbs 26, look at this. Verse 2. As the bird by wandering, as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. See that? You say, what in the world is that talking about? Well, look, as the bird by wandering, the swallow by flying. In other words, in the same way that a bird flies around, if somebody tries to curse you, he's saying that curse is not going to land on your head. You know, that, years ago, that goofy song, may the bird of paradise fly up your nose. <laughs> All right. The curse causeless. Look at this. The curse causeless shall not come. See, you've got Christians out there so scared, so, and they're going to tell you they're not scared. They're just going to say, well, we are enlightened about all of this stuff. We just know about these things. The truth of the matter is, guys, you can have a whole coven of, of witches looking at you and speaking curses, and you can just stand there and look at them. And say, do you realize the curse causeless shall not come? But here's one for you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I speak confusion into your life. Okay, that's like a, a curse coming from me <laughs> to them. You understand what I'm getting at? And it is, it has a cause to stop the power of the enemy. But yet, you have Christians out there, bad things happen, and sooner or later somebody... They may say things like, well, there must be a curse operating. You need to go see brother so-and-so. He can break curses in your life. Okay, well, let's think about this. If indeed a curse has been spoken over me, if indeed that curse is operating in my life, why do I need to go to anybody? I have the name of Jesus. Jesus said, in my name you'll cast out devils. Well, if I can cast out devils, I'll guarantee you this, I can cast out curses. <laughs> I don't need to go to a preacher. I don't need to go to somebody who, who has the ministry of deliverance to break a curse over my life. I'm a child of God. And I have that authority. Um, look in Psalm, well, no, no, look in Hebrews. We'll come back to Psalm in just a moment. Hebrews chapter 13. And here in Hebrews chapter 13, just look here at verse 5. Let your conversation or your lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. See that? So all this stuff about, well, they'll put a curse on you. Uh, let's see here. The Lord is my helper. <laughs> I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You want to speak a curse? Well, for one thing, you don't have God's authority behind that curse. And for another thing, the Lord is my helper. He's not your helper. The Lord is my helper. I remember years ago, 
uh, and now you can be turning over to uh, Psalm 118. I remember years ago, the first church I pastored, Lord just reminded me of this. I didn't know this when I got there, but I was told I'd been there, I don't know, maybe a year or two, or I don't know. Anyway, uh, been there for a while. And I was told by some folks there that prior to my arrival at some time in the past, there were like three ladies in the church, they got offended about something. And so they got together one day on a Saturday. They went to the church and stood out in the parking lot, stretched their hands and began speaking curses on the church. <laughs> this church will not grow. This church will not grow. This church. Well, when we got there, the church started growing. Now, you got some people out there, okay, what, what do we do? I know, I know, we need to have a Jericho march around the church to break that curse. No, you don't. What makes you think that curse has any effect at all? you got three nincompoops standing out there making fools of themselves, thinking that what they're doing is going to create some kind of problem. And you think God was going to help them out? <laughs> Seriously? No. I remember a story one time. R.W. Schambach was holding a crusade down in Texas, some arena somewhere. And there was a, a door at the back of the arena where the guest speakers and like the praise team and all, that's where they would go in. So here one night before the service, he's headed toward that door and there were some uh, people out there, some ladies, and they said, no, 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 Brother Schambach, don't, don't do that. Don't go in that door. Don't, don't. He says, well, what's wrong? Why? They said, oh, you don't know. But earlier today, there were some witches that came. And they stood back here putting a curse on, on, on the crusade, a curse on you and everything else. And, and then they put their curse powder over the door. He said, they did what? Yeah, that's what they did. He said, wait a minute. He said, you mean this? This? They said, yeah, that's it. That's the curse powder. He said, whoo, he rubbed it on his head. <laughs> Those, those women were giving Satan more authority in their lives than God. And then they were going to go in that service and praise Jesus. After standing out there and doing that. And there are too many Christians that do that same thing. In Psalm 118, look here, verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man, what can man do unto me. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do unto me. This is the Old Testament version of what we just read over there in Hebrews. I will not fear. You know, the Lord's on my side. What can man do unto me? What can you do unto me? I'll tell you one thing you can't do. You can't curse me. I remember one time Pastor Dave Roberson was going to a, um, a massage therapist. Now, there's a difference between, you know, one of those questionable massage places, and legitimate massage therapy. I mean, I've talked about that before. And he went to this uh, massage therapist, and then somebody found out which one he was going to. He says, Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave, you, you can't go there. He said, well, why not? Well, because, you know, that person, that massage therapist, why, they're into all this new age stuff. You can't let them lay their hands on you. Why? They, they'll transfer something into you. Well, he got a good laugh out of that. Guys, this whole put a curse on people and transference of stuff. Okay, you better be grounded in Scripture. Or you're going to live 
a messed up life. You're going, to, you're going to give Satan more authority in your life than what God has given to you in this life. Look over in Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54. We're going to pick this up in verse 11. O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and not comforted, behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors, and lay thy foundations with sapphires. And I will make thy windows of agates, and thy gates of carbuncles, and all thy borders of pleasant stones. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. In righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror for it shall not come near thee. Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper and every tongue that rise that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. You see that? In spite of all of this, you're going to have Christians out there who are going to tell you, well, you know, Pastor Jim, he tries. But he, he pretty much doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't understand the spirit realm. He does okay, then let's think about this. Where in the New Testament do we see warnings about curses? Where in the New Testament do we see uh, any of the apostles struggling against a curse? Where do we see any of that? Where do we see the apostles going in and breaking curses in the name of Jesus? Where do we see those kinds of deliverance services? It's nowhere in there. See, fear of and belief in... That's what gives curses their strength. Now, if you want to believe in this stuff, you go right ahead. And listen, those of you out there who, um, I mean, you feel like you know a lot more than, than I about all this. You know, if you're planning to send me an email to tell me I don't know what I'm talking about, I would really like to have a lot of scripture showing me um, what verses detail where one person put a curse on another? Remember what happened with Balaam? The bad king said, I want you to curse those Israelites. And I'll pay you for it. Well, Balaam opens his mouth and he starts, Be blessed, O children of God. <laughs> and the king gets all mad. He says, What are you doing? He goes, Well, I can't, I can only say what God says. I can't say something other than what I can't say. I can't. And so anyway, you know, Balaam, you know, the king said, well, let's, let's go over here and try it from a different location. Like, that's going to matter. Same thing. You know, oh, be blessed, children of God, and all that. So, it, I'm telling you right now, don't be afraid of this stuff. Here's the deal. What happens if, um, what happens if someone threatens to put a curse on you or says they did? What happens to you emotionally? How would you respond? Are you going to be worried? And then when you're at home one night and the lights flicker, it's like, oh, oh, there it is. It's the curse. Or, you know, you go in and, and 
there's no toilet paper on the roll. It's like, oh, <laughs> here's a curse. <laughs> or you, you go to the refrigerator and you open it up and somebody, you know, <laughs> they were, drank your Yoo-Hoo. You know, that chocolate stuff. <laughs> you go, oh, the curse. Or you get a flat tire. Oh, the curse. Well, okay. You know, there are people that have flat tires. You do know that lights do flicker from time to time. The point I'm getting is this. you got folks out there so messed up on this that if somebody says, I'm going to curse you, or they say, oh, you don't understand, you know, which hazel she put a curse on you, and any little thing that happens after that, oh, no, there it is, there it is. Why not take your stand as a child of God? I mean, if you truly believe that somebody could put a curse on you, if you really believe that, and you really think somebody has put a curse on you, why don't you start reading Scripture? Like, just this verse 17, No weapon that is formed against me is going to prosper, and those tongues that have risen up against me in judgment, I condemn them. This is my heritage, I am a servant of the Lord, and my righteousness is of God. Why not do that? Why not? You know, we're headed into revival, and you need to understand. Okay. It is no coincidence that evil is increasing in the world at the same time the remnant is rising up. It is not a coincidence. It is warfare in the spirit. You cannot let yourself get worried about curses and all this kind of stuff. Now, if you want more information about this, on March 22nd, 2009, the Sunday morning sermon uh, was titled, Do Curses Work on Christians? On May 11th, 2011, Wednesday night, my sermon title was Witches, Curses, and Christians. On December 10th, 2017, I had a sermon titled, Can a Christian Be Cursed? So if you want more teaching on this, look those sermons up and listen to them. But guys, use spiritual common sense. Mind of Christ common sense. In all of this. You cannot find anywhere where Jesus, James, Peter, John, Matthew, the bunch of them. You can't find anywhere in Scripture where they were concerned about somebody cursing them. You can't find anywhere where they warned the people that somebody might curse you. Here's what you have to do. The things that are most important to God concerning our walk as a Christian, those are the things that are recorded in Scripture. And that whole thing of being cursed, that's not in there. Instead, the two main topics of the New Testament, get the sin out of your life and get your doctrine right. Those are the two main themes. So guys, as we press into revival, if somebody comes along and says, well, you know, I'm going to call my sister... She's a witch. She'll put a curse on you. Just say, okay, well, what's her name? Well, her her name's Susie. Okay. Thank you. When you go tell Susie that she's going to put a curse on me, you let her know I have already been praying for her by name. And my prayers are going to have more impact on her life than whatever she says. Because no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And... God, you know that scripture it talks about, you know, uh, 
if we know what to do, give good gifts and so forth, you know, how much more will God give the Holy Ghost to somebody? That's not talking about getting filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. That's talking about my prayers loose the Holy Ghost to move in people's lives. That's what that's talking about. So I lift, you know, witchy Susie up, and I said, Holy Ghost, go get her. <laughs> Create an atmosphere of holiness in her life. I, I, let me tell you a story. It's a true story. I just remember this one. This one goes way back. Kathy and I had a car. had to be worked on. There was a guy we know. He owned a car shop. So I took um, my car to him, and we all went to the same church. We were talking, and he explained the situation, or he, he shared a story that happened to him. Lady brought her car in and said, there's something wrong, you know, and, and he said, well, I'm going to take it out for a drive. And, and she said, all right, well, I'm going to go with you so I can point out what else is going on. So he's driving it, and she looks at him and she says, would you like me to tell you tell your fortune? <laughs> and at first he, he said, what? <laughs> but then he started praying like that under tongue. You couldn't hear me, but that's what he was doing, praying in tongues extremely softly. And, I mean, it's like his lips were, were not really even moving. He kind of hit his head, turned a little bit, I guess. Anyway, all of a sudden she stopped and she said, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're interfering with my power. You're interfering with, with what I can do. All because he was praying in tongues. That was it. <laughs> Guys, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Take a stand. Do not let fear govern your life. You are a child of God. You are born again out of righteousness and true holiness. And you have authority over all the power of the enemy. Take your stand. Don't be afraid. Rule and reign in this life by Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Please stand.